Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. Hi, yeah. So, yeah, I'm Chris. Hello. Hello, guys. I think most of you probably know me, but for those who don't, um, I've been married to Natasha for 12 years today, which is pretty cool. Uh, We have three children and we've been part of BFC for about nine years. Uh, Today I'm speaking about Jonah as part of the Pointing to Jesus series. I've given this talk the title of Find God, But It Won't Work. Okay, so who's this Jonah guy and what's he all about? So Jonah was like a recognized prophet. He's got his own book and everything. It's pretty cool. Um, So he was in a place called Joppa, or I think Jaffa it's now called. Not like the cakes, but simmer. Um, And he was doing God's work there. So he was doing some good work. He was ministering to people and stuff like that. Um, He was then asked by God to go to a place called Nineveh. Uh, And these people are enemies of Jonah's people. So they're like, really, don't get on with them. So he decides to run away instead. Um, So Joppa to Nineveh is like 12,000 miles, uh, kilometers. It's like a month's walk. And uh, Joppa to Tarshish, which is like where he actually kind of tried to run away from, which is pretty much in Spain, is like 4,500 kilometers. So he did like quite an epic job of trying to run away. Um, He actually paid money to get as far away as he could. It's kind of like the edge of the world for him. Like he wouldn't have known really anywhere else necessarily. So he went away, tried to run away on a boat. Uh, He got swallowed by a big fish, not like a blue whale, uh, because they don't eat people. So just to clarify for Craig there, because he he did have a question about that. Um, And... In the books and stuff, there probably wasn't like a pirate ship in there. It probably wasn't like really massive amount of space and like just chilling out. It was probably pretty cramped, pretty rank, and those kids' books just don't really help with our exegesis of the passage. Um, so after three days in there, Jonah started feeling pretty sorry. Uh, so he begrudgingly decides to go to Nineveh and do what God told him in the first place. So the fish basically just vomits him out on the beach. But Nineveh is not, like, by the sea. So, like, he's actually back in Joppa, like, where he started. So he's still got 1,200 kilometers to travel uh, to get there. So then he's, fine, God, it won't work. So he travels, finally goes to Nineveh. He travels one day into Nineveh. It's, like, a really big city. So uh, Jonah says, and he says the bare minimum, like, literally, what he's been told to say. It doesn't embellish it. It doesn't do anything fancy. So Jonah 3, 4. So Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And then everyone responds. It's like mad. So then Jonah 3, 5, All the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least. Basically everyone there. It's interesting that the message doesn't actually mention God at all. It's just a message that Jonah was asked to deliver. So then Jonah 3.10, so God comes back with, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he didn't do it. But Jonah was not super pleased about this. He didn't believe they'd repented. He went up a hill to find a nice spot to watch the fireworks. He was waiting on a good smiting, basically. (coughs) So Jonah was very grumpy when this didn't happen. He got cross with God for not destroying Nineveh, but for destroying a plant that was there just giving him shade. So he just got himself all tied up and just angry, basically. And he kind of told, he kind of played, I told you so, with God. So God puts him in his place. 
Jonah needed to learn to have compassion and love for people as God has compassion for us. And then the book just ends there. That's like the whole thing. Are you seeing any similarities to us yet, though? Like, bar the fish bit, obviously. My iPad keeps turning the screen around. Um, but I can definitely see myself in some of that every now and again as well. So as you can see, Jonah wasn't the best example of a godly or like good prophet example. He was flawed, but God still used him. Let's take a closer look at just three of Jonah's many mistakes in this short book. It's actually only four chapters, so that's pretty good going. Um, so God asked Jonah to do some... One second, I'm just going to turn... There we go. That won't spin around. God asked Jonah to do something, and he decided he knew better. They won't listen. They won't change. And he ran away. He paid a price and hopped on a boat. But he didn't just not go. He like, actively went out of his way into such epic proportions. As I said before, he went around 4,500 kilometers in the opposite direction. So as you can see from my helpful Google Maps here, Joppa to Nineveh, or Jaffa to Mosul, as I think they're called now, um, is around 1,200 kilometers, or like a month's walk. It's a pretty long way. So if you go to the next one. So this one, Joppa to, to Tarshish, which is like in Spain. I couldn't actually get it to do it by boat. But it still gives an idea about 4,500 kilometers, um, close to an eight-hour flight by plane, and quite likely a pretty long way by boat. So, yeah, that's quite a lot, isn't it? It's a long way. But, yeah, so um, he ultimately tried to hide from God and his calling and what God had asked him to do. So number two, he begrudgingly went to Nineveh in the end, after all. Having been caught in a storm, thrown in the sea, and swallowed by a big fish, Jonah finally gave in. You probably would if you'd been in a fish for three days, to be fair. Um, and then God then repeated his command. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Jonah 3.2. It's fine, God. All right, I'll go, but it won't work. When, does, when he does go to Nineveh, he does a bare minimum, as I said before. He delivers the message, yet 40 days and Nineveh should be overthrown. The world's shortest sermon, it's like eight words in English and about five in Hebrew. I mean, it's not bad words to salvation ratio, to be fair, if you're going to go by that. But he just does the bare minimum. He does what God asks him, but he doesn't do any more. So then thirdly, he went up a hill, grabbed some popcorn and settled down for a firework display. But because he didn't think it would work, he didn't think they deserved the salvation. They didn't deserve the mercy in being saved. How dare they be so bad and get grace and mercy in return from God? He didn't really want them to be saved. He was just waiting for a good smiting and some good fireworks. He was eating his popcorn, and he was really grumpy when it didn't kick off. He basically says in Jonah 4.1 that it's just he was grumpy and upset. It's like, he just didn't want it to happen. So yeah, so... I think we can take something from this as well. Because I see myself like Jonah sometimes. Uh, when I think of God's plans for me, my calling as a Christian to spread the good news to all around me, I can be like Jonah, sometimes run away, sometimes avoid doing that. So Craig told a story uh, a couple of months back now about feeling prompted to talk to a man he saw sitting on a curb in Billingshurst. He said he wasn't bold enough at the time. He won't mind me saying, hopefully. <laughs> um, but when he did go back, it was too late. The guy had gone. Um, just wasn't there. The opportunity had passed. 
Um, and just like imagine what that could have been. Like what had God planned for that? We just don't know. So I had something similar. So um, I work in Rygate, and I felt God prompting me to speak to this homeless guy that I was just seeing like every day at work. Um, and I'd walk past him most days, and in the back of my mind, I was just feeling this feeling, you know, I should really talk to him, I should really say hi, I should just acknowledge him and do something. But just like Jonah, I just kind of ran away from it. I just like put it off. You know, I was in a rush, I had my friends with me, it wasn't the right time, there was too many people around. I guess I was scared of what could happen, like Jonah maybe. But don't we all feel like that sometimes? God is prompting us to do something, yet we just fight it. We make excuses. Maybe it isn't from God after all. Maybe it's something I've thought up. I just can't quite find the right time to talk to that person. It never feels right. I can't make that decision, that choice. I just haven't got time for it. On the flip side, sometimes we don't feel God prompting us. But that doesn't mean he isn't. Maybe we just aren't listening. Maybe we aren't expecting it. You know, do you, do you actually expect God to use you? Do you go into your day with that expectation? We know we should, because he will use us if we ask him. He can use any, every one of us. But yeah, this talk is about pointing to Jesus. The whole series is about that, and taking our person that we're talking about and seeing how the story points to Jesus. So if we look again at the uh, earlier points that I made. So Jonah paid a price and went out of his way to run from God. He didn't, just, he didn't do what was asked of him. But Jesus is the opposite of this. Jesus drank the cup of suffering for us. Jesus followed God's commands. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane before his crucifixion. It's in Luke 22, verse 42. So Jesus comes willingly to us. He paid the price of death for us, for you. So secondly, Jonah begrudgingly went to Nineveh after all. And he did the bare minimum. Jesus didn't just do the bare minimum for us. He was born on earth, lived a sinless life, and died a horrible death, rising again. It's like Tash said in the worship, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Not only that, but he did it out of complete love for every one of us. Jonah did the least he could do, but Jesus gave everything for you. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's Romans 5.8. And finally, <clears throat> Jonah didn't expect it to work. He played I told you so with God. It's actually a verse where he literally says, I told you so to God. Oh Lord, is this not what I said to you when yet in my country? That, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. He's like trying to validate what he's doing. Um, and Jonah went up a hill expecting to see some fireworks, a good smiting, as I said earlier. He decided he was the judge, and he knew best. He felt that people didn't deserve mercy or salvation or even love, not after what they have done to me, to my people. 
Jesus went up a hill to die in our place, to pay the price for us. Jesus is the true and just judge. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jonah said he would rather die than see them have mercy. Jesus died on the cross so all can have mercy. Jonah had no love for them, didn't care. Jesus has unbounded love for everyone, even you, even me, all of us. So not only did God do all of this for them, the Ninevites, the people there, he did it for you, for me, for everyone through Jesus. Jonah was sent to Nineveh to deliver a message. Have you considered that you are sent to where you are to deliver a message of good? Your work, school, university, the school gate, your family, or maybe even just your road. Are you tempted to do what Jonah did? I know I am sometimes. I just run away from it. I just can't be bothered. I haven't got time, you know. But actually, I want to do what Jesus did and spread the message far and wide in every place and every situation. Will you join me in doing that? In growing God's kingdom on earth. But what is the message, though? The love, mercy, and compassion of Jesus. What he did on the cross, the good news, the gospel. Gospel literally means good news. I quoted John 3.16 earlier on. I'm just going to paraphrase it again. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever. You know, that's, not, that's pretty inclusive. That's everyone. Jesus died on the cross and rose again to pay the price for everyone, for whoever. Unfortunately, some people don't know, don't know he did it for them. And maybe you could be the person to tell them that. So, <clears throat> after a few weeks of avoiding this homeless guy quite unsuccessfully, to be fair. But anyway, um, eventually, I prayed about it. I said a scary prayer. I said, hey, God, if you really want me to talk to this guy, then give me an opportunity that I can't avoid. I can't back out of. So the next thing I know, I was walking back to my car after work, and he came around the corner with his dog and nearly walked into me. He basically blocked the whole path. Okay, God, let's do this. We had a brief chat about the town, who he was, his dog, Reg, uh, a bit of his history. He kept saying everything was ish. He's like this, ish, ish. Ended up being his nickname for a little while until I actually knew who he was. I then went to find him the next day at lunch and brought him a sani. <clears throat> brought him a sani. It was, this was back in 2017. I wave to him most days and chat to him regularly now. I'd actually say he's a friend of mine. And I know loads about him, his story, his family, his history. He's actually from around here. He's a really interesting guy, and he knows so much about Rygate. It's great talking to him. Through him, I now have connections with all the homeless guys in the town. He likes to be called Stig, 
of the dump, apparently. That's his chosen name. Um, there's a guy called Dino, Rich, Ian, Little Rich, another chap called Craig, and another bloke I met the other day called Darren or something. But there's a re- they're a really interesting group of guys, and they all have stories to tell. And it's just, I come away with a smile on my face chatting to them. I regularly take them leftover signage from work, invest time in them, value them, love them, basically. I think my work friends, some of them, think I'm a bit weird. They just like look at the ground or carry on walking if I start talking to Stig. I suppose it is a bit weird, but you know what? I love it. This is all from acting on that prompting, though, from God, and trusting him to be with me and lead me in the situation. I had an expectation to be used by him. So yeah, so imagine if we were all more like Jesus and less like Jonah. We have a message to deliver. God wants to use us. Let's have that expectation that he will use us where we are. Like Claudia said, it's not looking necessarily for the opportunities and going, oh, I don't get the opportunity. Where we are, wherever we are, is where God wants us to be. And actually, there's opportunities everywhere. We might just not be alert to them or thinking about it. Yeah. As a bit of an aside, I was listening to something recently and it talked about like sort of like you might have like a secular job. And it just really struck me that like you don't have to call it a secular job and like kind of separate God from the job necessarily because you're in a workplace, you're in that situation. Yeah, it might be like a secular job that you kind of have to take seriously and you can't let your faith guide you in that all the time. But you're still there, you're still with people, you're still sitting next to people and actually I just found that was quite interesting to think about how we are a representative of God wherever we are. But yeah, imagine if you were the one to bring the good news to that one person that you see or you sit with to show just one person that love they've never experienced before, that love of God. As we've been saying a little bit recently, embrace the awkward. What's the worst that can happen? That Dr. Pepper in it. So yeah, so just on that note, I'd like to pray now as we lead into a brief interlude before Nat comes up to speak to us about Moses. And I was going to say, if anyone feels prompted by any of this, if you want to take the message to your mission field, even if you just want boldness to talk to your family about what happens at church, maybe, maybe it's the first time you've heard this message of Jesus and God's love for you. Please come and talk to me or anyone with a ministry team badge and we can pray about it. Alternatively, the person next to you or the person you came with, we're going to have some time, like we're going to have a bit of reflection time now and then we'll have some more time at the end as well. But yeah, I'd love it if people could pray for me as well because, you know, I can come up here and I can say all this, but I can still be Jonah as well. So yeah. Lord, please help us to keep in tune with your plans for us, Lord. Please speak to us, Lord, we are listening. And Lord, please give us the boldness to take the opportunities that you would provide for us and help us to go into our day with the expectation to be used by you, Lord, and every day, Lord. Yeah, amen. Amen.